the things of God. And if God has called you to the prophetic realm, the prophetic ministry, or to the office of the prophet, I would love to be instrumental in helping you to uh, reach your goal in God. When Jesus calls, because he's the only one that can appoint us as prophets of his. Now, you can be prophet to man, and you can be a prophet unto yourself, but if you truly want to do the work of God, you have to be called to this by God. It starts with uh, being born again. If you have not been born of the spirit and of the water, well, then you're going to struggle because you're right there on the borderline because you really can't hear what Holy Spirit is saying to you if Holy Spirit is not in you. So it starts with the infilling of the Holy Ghost and be baptized in Jesus name. And then God calls you because first Corinthians chapter 12 tells us of the nine gifts of the spirit that comes with the infilling of the spirit. Yes, God can use you from the outside through his external spirit. His spirit rests upon you. And then when you've done the will of God, it lifts up off of you. And that's what a lot of professed Christians are walking in. They're walking in the external anointing of God because they like the feel of the anointing and the power. But Jesus wants to dwell on the inside of us. And for us to be the most productive and the most effective in being the prophet of God, it starts with the infilling, him coming to live on the inside of us, us professing him as our Savior and our Lord. It's easy to say and call him Lord, Lord, but then you don't do what he says. And Jesus said that himself in the Gospels. So greetings, everyone. And I pray all is well for you and your families. Father has once again blessed us here in the wonderful city of Indianapolis, Indiana, in the great USA. It's wonderful weather. I'm used to the summer bringing extensive heat and you're trying to escape from the heat. But the weather has been very, very pleasant this week. And so I bless his wonderful name for that. And I love to... Um, Thank him, exalt him, and magnify him every opportunity that I get. Today, I want to pick up where I left off last, last episode, rejection, the prophet's life. Because truly, <laughs> the prophet's life is built on rejection. When a true prophet speaks the oracles of God, some listen, some refuse to listen. Some don't want to hear nothing they have to say. Now, if you're one of those type of prophets or have one of those types of prophetic ministries where you tickle people's ears and you say things they want to hear and you promise them this and you prophesy them that, and that's all you're about. I'm sorry, you're not doing very much work and you're not really giving the title prophet. You're not doing it justice. Because a, a prophet is more than prophesying good things. A prophet is more than bringing forth warnings and judgment to come. There is so much more to being a prophet. And most people that want to be a prophet, they're attracted to the anointing of the prophet. They're attracted to what the prophet looks like and how the people group around the prophet. But if you go back to the Bible, in Old Testament days, and I know we're not in the under the law, we're not, we're under grace, 
we're not in the Old Testament, we're New Testament, but we used Old Testament, hallelujah, to understand the do's and don'ts of being a prophet because we're guided and led by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. And he uses what they went through and what they experienced as examples for us of what we should and should not do. The Holy Ghost teaches us. The Holy Ghost is constantly talking in our ear, our inner ear. We hear it in the spirit on the inside. And that's the proof of the Holy Ghost dwelling on the inside because he talks to us all the time. He talks to us audibly in our ear, in our spiritual ear. He talks to us through uh, dreams and through visions and just everyday occurrences as we call them quickening glances. It's just all of a sudden something catches your attention. God's talking and it's easily to miss it because we're so caught up doing other things and paying attention to other things. We're not always listening to what God is saying. I'm learning and I've been walking in this a little over 23 years. It'd be 23 this year. And I'm still learning to listen to God. I'm still, sometimes I miss it. I hit and I miss, and I have to go back and repent and say, God, can you bring that back around again? Because I missed it that time. Sometimes it comes back and sometimes it does not. But I stay in a repentive state because I'm human, I'm flesh, and I'm prone to mess up. And there's no prophet of God or no one with prophetic ministry that is perfect. I'm sorry if you think you are, you are not. Let me help you out. We are in earthly bodies that are prone to fail. But for the help of the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, we would all fall and we would stay down on the ground. We would never get up. But I thank God because he's a God of another chance. And so Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth if we accept the truth. He wants us to bless people. And so there are different levels of being a prophet. Rejection is one of the tools in God's tool belt that he uses to refine the prophet. Like anybody else that is born on this earth, you're born a sinner. So you have things in you, the endemic nature, and it's, it lies, it cheats, it um, hurts people. It's mean, it's unkind, it doesn't want to follow God's ways because the scripture tells us that our flesh that we live in, this flesh, we're made of three parts. We have a fleshly body that's made of the earth's elements. We have a spirit that comes from God and we have an eternal soul that's on the inside of us that God wants to save and Satan wants to destroy. And because we are a a three-part being, um, the flesh wants to be in control. The flesh cannot be saved because it's an enemy to God. It doesn't agree with God or nothing. It doesn't listen to God. It can't comprehend nothing God is saying. It's totally against God. The flesh has a mind of its own. It wants to do what it wants to do, and that is not to please God. Okay, our soul is on the inside of us. That's who we really are. That's who we were born uh, and when God breathed breath into our bodies, we became a living soul. And our soul has memory. Our soul has five senses. Our soul 
has em operates from emotion. Our soul is moved by things, but God is trying to save it and convert it so that it won't sin against him because that's the only part of us as individuals that's eternal is that soul. So when we die and pass on, we leave this life, the flesh is gone. It goes back to the dust from which it came. That's what the scripture tells us. And then the spirit, which is your breath, goes back to God from which it came because it belongs to God. Only thing left is your soul. So your soul needs to go somewhere. And so God is trying to save the soul. Nobody can touch the soul but God. Satan wants to. We want to control it, but we can't. We don't even know where it is. We just know it's in the body somewhere. God knows exactly where it is. God knows exactly how to deal with the soul and he wants to save it. And God raises up prophets. He has from the beginning of time to do his will in the earth. The prophets are the mouthpiece of God. And I know pastors say they're the mouthpiece of God and they are because they, they bring forth the word of God. They bring, bring, excuse me, they preach the oracle of God, which is the word of God. But their office is totally different from the office of a prophet. Their function is totally different from the function of a prophet. And there are pastors out there that are prophetic. There are pastors out there that are also prophets. My pastor always told me that you have um, a primary calling and a secondary calling. God calls you um, in one area, but he can also call you in another area because I have a dual calling. I am called to be a prophet of God and he's still making me into the prophet of God. And I'm also called to be a pastor. I have pastored a church for two and a half years and that the Lord brought me back to my hometown in Indianapolis and he led me in the direction of the ministry that I have, which is called Keys Prophetic Training Center. I train prophets. God told me 23 years ago in a vision, a conversation we were having and he took me to Ezekiel chapter three. And I read it, but it kind of scared me. I'm being honest, it scared me. So I closed the Bible up. And then I opened the Bible back up and it fell right back to Ezekiel chapter three, verse 17, which says he is making, um, I am making you to be a watchman on the wall and that you're supposed to speak for me. And if they die in their sins, that's saved or unsaved, the, their blood is on my head. And, you know, I thought that was a very heavy responsibility that I wasn't at that time willing to do. So I ran. I did everything under the sun I could think to do to run away from God, only to find out you can't run from God. You can't hide from him. God knows everything. He's everywhere all the time. And so my running was in vain, but that nonetheless, I still ran. It brought uh, additional uh, stress on me. It brought additional chaos and calamity on me because you cannot run from God and think your life is going to be perfect. It's not. It comes with consequences. And the blessed part about it is I thank and praise my God 
because he didn't let me stay where I was hiding. He didn't let me. He found me out and he brought me out and he put my feet on the path he wanted me on, whether I wanted to do it or not. And so that's when I start noticing the rejection. Before God called me in that direction, rejection was there, but I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't notice it. When I accepted the call and stopped running, and I told God I ain't going to run no more because there was really nowhere to go. That's when I started noticing people pulling away from me, people being mean to me, even in the church. People didn't believe me. They didn't want me praying for them. I was an altar worker for years, and I ministered to people at the altar, and God was using me mightily in the gift of healing to the point that the church elders recognized it and they started telling me to go to this person and go to that person and pray for them and they were training me and i didn't realize that's what they were doing and they were always asking me does this happen to you all the time what do you do when this happens and i'm going you looking right at me you know what i'm doing i get right back up or i brush it off and i forgive them and I get back up there and keep doing what I was doing. And they would always encourage me, keep doing that. Don't stop doing that. Keep doing what God is training you to do. And I started seeing God pulling on me in different areas in people's lives. And some were following me. Some were pulling away from me. I did not connect it with being a prophet. I just looked at it like God was blessing me as an altar worker and he was intensifying my, my passion to pray for people, to set people free, to bring people through their deliverance and to heal them when their bodies were broken and was uh, ill or afflicted. I did not know that was the ministry of a prophet. And so when the rejections actually started, I started seeing it in dreams first. And I didn't understand what God was doing. Honestly, my mind was not there. I, it took me to go through years of this. And then the light bulb came on in my head. And I realized, wait a minute, God, you're training me to be a prophet. And I went to my pastor at that time. And I think that was around 2003. And I said, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I believe God is calling me to the office of a prophet. Well, at that time, he didn't study in that area, so he hadn't noticed. He didn't know what to tell me. So I went to other elders that I trusted, and I asked, and they said, you're not going to find this in a book, that God has to teach this to you, and if this is what God called you to do, it will come to pass. And I started seeing things happen and unfold and open up and people came in my life and it's like then i start receiving um ministry helps for them i start receiving prophecies and words for them and of course i didn't know what i was doing i was trying to tread water because i didn't have enough knowledge in me in the in the prophetic arena to operate as i felt god wanted me to operate but I come to realize God had me in training. Before you step into office, before God releases you in anything, you go through a preparation period. And it could last up to 30 and 40 years, depending on if you have a mentor or not. Well, I didn't have a mentor. There was a lot I did not understand. So God brought me to a place in my life where I wanted to know, but 
I asked God the question. I thought prophets train prophets. That's just what I thought. If preachers train preachers and teachers train teachers, then prophets should train prophets. And I said, God, I don't know any prophets. So how am I supposed to get trained? I know you're not going to allow me just to walk out there and I don't know what I'm doing. And he responded back by telling me, he said, I'm your prophet. I'm going to train you because I don't want you picking up the mistakes of others who are in the same shoes you're in because they don't know. And he said, I will teach you. You will learn by trial and error. And he said, you're in my school right now. I'm making you a prophet on the wall. This is what he said to me. I still didn't understand, but I went with the flow. And the prophets that I did see, because I didn't know any, um, that's not what they were doing. What God was telling me and what God was showing me, they weren't doing that. They didn't sound like that. They just sound like everybody else. I didn't see them doing something. And then later I started seeing others that carried the title prophet or prophetess. I saw how they were preachers of the gospel, just like the preacher or the pastor is. I saw them responding just like the evangelist does, but what they did was different. I never heard any of them say, I went through this and I went through this and God trained me this way. So it everything that came to me came by trial and error. Error When it did not work or it did not turn out good, I knew not to do that again. When I got the backlash from people not accepting what I know God told me to tell them, I didn't approach them that way again. I did like David did with the Ark of the Covenant. I went back and say, well, God, I'm evidently doing it wrong. How am I supposed to do this? And I bless the Lord because he began to instruct me in the ways that I should go. A lot of it came by dreams at night. There are times when I heard, I saw pictures, colors, shapes, and I would hear the spirit talking to me saying, it's time to grow up, get up. He would tell me, your vacation's over, get up off of that bench. He would tell me, open your mouth up and, and say this. And of course, I was scared to do that because I didn't have a mentor at the time, not a human mentor. And then God allowed me to come across um, Apostle Colette Toach. She's out of San Diego, San Diego, California. And she had an online ministry and God allowed me to um, enroll in her ministry school, her prophetic school online. I didn't stay on it for long periods of time. I'm still connected to them. I got what God wanted me to get from them, which pulled me out of the fear of opening my mouth because he used them to open the prophetic up in me. They began to give me instruction. They began to tell me what not to do and what to do and how God wanted it. And it blessed me. And then I started pastoring in 2009 in the city of Richmond, Indiana. And um, the Lord was blessing. It was growing. I really wasn't doing it, but preaching the word. But then the prophetic side of me began getting stronger and I noticed it. I heard myself prophesy and I saw it come to pass. And I saw how that people were being drawn to me and how that I brought another pastor from Indianapolis up there to speak one of my Sunday evening services and God had told me that morning and I shared it with the congregation how that 
we needed to turn the ship around. Now, I understood the ship was the ministry. And I said, for real, Lord? I said, turn it around. Where am I supposed to go? And he said, turn and go the other way. I said, well, which way am I going? He said, you're facing south. I want you to turn and go north. Immediately in my spirit, I understood that meant go back home, go back to Indianapolis. And I said, Lord, how am I supposed to do that? I have a church here with members in it. What am I supposed to do with them? And immediately they start dropping off like flies. They start leaving for this reason or for that reason. That Sunday I shared, it was November 5th of 2011. I shared it with the congregation that morning. I went to the door, the entrance door, and I had a cordless mic in my hand. And I told them, I said, God said, turn this ship around. We're getting ready to go back to Indianapolis. And they just looked at me like, uh, really? I don't believe God said that to you, but I know what I heard God say. We were in a conversation and that evening was my pastor's age service. And the, the, uh, the speaker was District Elder Albert Baker and his church was uh, Tabernacle of Deliverance. They came up there, the whole church, and there was an unusual spirit in the uh, a flow in the atmosphere. It was it was awesome. We've never had never experienced anything like that in our life, which led me to believe God was getting ready to say something. He was getting ready to do something. So the speaker had the cordless mic, went to the same entrance door, turned around, told everybody in the congregation, God said, turn the ship around. It's time for you to go back. And all my members turned around with their mouth open and just looked at me because at that point they realized I actually heard from God. He did not know God had spoke this to me and he did not know I had told it to them. So when God said it the second time, they believed it. And God brought us back here in December 31st of 2011. And so I have been back in the city of Indianapolis since 2012 officially. And so our God started dealing with me about keys. I, in 2011, while I was still in Richmond, I had a dream about a prophetic conference, this huge prophetic conference. And I said, God, I know this is the direction you want me to go. I said, but what am I supposed to do about the church? Well, God dealt with the church. And as I said, by 2012, we were back here in Indianapolis. And I went through a state of depression because the enemy immediately started attacking me. I started getting rejected and it's like people didn't want me praying for them. They didn't want me speaking into their lives. They didn't want me doing nothing. So when I would come to church, cause I didn't have nowhere else to go. It's like, I was all by myself. They were in the sanctuary, but I was all by myself. They were mistreating me. They were saying unkind things to me behind my back, as well as in front of my face. They had, um, start slandering my name where the saints were pulling away from me. I was utterly depressed. I was not happy. And so I kind of like shut down on God. And then various people would come and say, you need to get up. You need to get up. God can't use you like that. I was not listening to them because I was hurt. The rejection hurts. Rejection hurts. I did not realize God was using this as a tool to make me into what he said I was. And so, as make a long story short, I love re reading materials God inspires others to write 
for our knowledge and edification. I'm currently reading the book, The Ministry of God's Prophet by Tony Pug. Excellent book. If you are called in this arena, I, I earnestly uh, encourage you to, to read this book. I have um, Kindle Unlimited. I can read any book I want to this in, on Amazon. And this was one of those books and the book caught my attention. And I love this book. And at, in this teaching, I'm going to be quoting some of what he wrote in his book. He talks about in chapter four, three training grounds for God's prophets. One, pit in the wilderness it comes from Genesis 37, 22. That's dealing really with Joseph, where his brothers threw him in the pit. Two, the backside of the desert. Exodus chapter three, verse one and verse three. Um, verse one, dealing with Moses. When God brought him out of Egypt, he took him to the backside of the desert and began to train him to go back and deliver the people of God out of bondage in Egypt. And you know, Moses was a prophet as well. And third, the furnace of affliction. Isaiah 40, 10 says, I have found you in the furnace of affliction. And so we're going to talk about these three things. The pit in the wilderness, excuse me, deals with rejection. rejection. I can't talk. Hallelujah. Pit in the wilderness deals with rejection from Joseph's brothers. He had 10 older brothers and they were very jealous of him because they could tell God was with him. And not that God wasn't with them, but, you know, they had their own way of doing things and they wasn't trying to do it right. And because Joseph, Jacob loved Joseph because he was a son of his old age and from the wife that he loved. Um, he would send Joseph not, not to spy on them, but to get a report from them how things were going. The brothers took it. He was spying on them and going back tattletaling on them uh, to their father. And so Joseph, uh, Jacob made Joseph a coat of many colors, signifying his difference, his authority, his favor, with his father and they were so jealous of it that they ripped it off of him and they threw him in a pit because they wanted to kill him but Reuben the oldest said don't take his life we don't want to be guilty of innocent blood so they threw him in the pit until merchants came that were on their way to Egypt and they sold him to these merchants I do believe it was for 20 or 30 pieces of silver Joseph is like a shadow type like Christ. And so this is how they dealt with him. When your siblings turn against you this severely, that's utter rejection. It's bad enough when your friends, church members, others reject you, but when your own flesh and blood reject you like that, that's hard rejection to deal with. But this is the way God chose to train Joseph. And as we read further into it, even going to Egypt, he had high favor from God, but he was rejected by men. Every time turn around, somebody was lying on him. Somebody, because they couldn't stand the favor he walked in. They couldn't stand how good and how his integrity that he held on to. So these are the things that God used to shape Joseph. And we know that Joseph went from pit to prison twice, to the palace. His outcome 
was greater than where he started. And so God uses rejection in the life of his prophets. Joseph was a type of prophet. Okay, when you get to the backside of the desert, it deals with separation from others for a season that God can work in us. This feels like you have been left alone. As I was saying when I came back from Richmond, Indiana, how I was in the church, but I felt like I was utterly by myself sitting in the church. So there's no, God doesn't want anything interfering, no interruption from the outside in what he's trying to do with you as his prophet. God, at this point, has our complete undivided attention. When we deal with the furnace of affliction, it's dealing with fiery trials that come back to back. And if not careful, bitterness will spring forth and, and others and bring others with it. It brings other spirits with it. Because bitterness is a strong spirit. And a lot of times when we're bitter, we don't even realize we're bitter. But it comes from rejection. And the bitterness is so strong that when they're expressing themselves, because I've been there, when you're expressing yourself, your words come out like fiery darts. And whoever you're talking to, this may be the person who offended you or not, but when your words come out, they sting to the point the person is, I've been there on both sides of the coin. I've done it to others and I've seen their faces and that's what made me stop. It made me back up because I didn't like the expression on their face from the words that were coming out of my mouth. I wasn't using profanity. I wasn't cursing. I wasn't, um, but the words were so harsh because I was hurt and it was a fence that was talking. That's not what God wants. God needs to get that out of us. And I've been on the flip side of that coin where others have talked to me and they were bitter and didn't realize how bitter they were. And then when you say, uh, you need to get out of your flesh, that's your flesh that you're in. And that's why your words sound, oh, and, I, I, they're, they're, they're. and I'm going, okay, God, now I know what that feels like. I don't really want to do that to other people. It does happen. But you know, when God is making us, when God is shaping us, when God has us on that potter's wheel, all kind of stuff comes out of us. Stuff that we didn't even realize was in there. You know, when you receive the Holy Ghost and you get saved and you're born again, you think that's the catch-all. Okay, I'm delivered now. I'm free from all that. I can just go on with my life and be happy and joyful. No, let me help somebody. No, it's not. No, because that's just the beginning of the story. God has to root all this stuff out of us. He can't do it all at once because he doesn't want to damage us. We can't handle it. And the scripture says he won't put no more on us than we can bear. And with that being the case, God does it as a process, gradually. Once he strips you, because it stings to be stripped. It stings to be chiseled. It stings to be scrubbed real hard with fuller soap. It stings. And so God has to let us heal and recoup from that before he brings the next level. Okay? Through rejection, 
which is a spirit, you start off rejecting others. Then you start rejecting yourself. Lastly, now you're rejecting God. Every time God says something to you, no, God, it ain't like that. No, God, they ain't going to listen to me. No, God, they ain't going to follow me. No, God, you disagree with everything God says. Now God has to throw you in a pit and take you to the backside of the desert or put you in the furnace of affliction to get your attention all over again. It's almost like we forgot the last incident we went through and how painful and uncomforting it was. We seem to fall back into that mindset and that attitude so quickly that God has to do it all over again. Now, heaven alone makes and breaks a vessel for divine service. Let me say that again. Heaven alone. Now, God hires the enemy because the enemy works for God, just like you work for God. He hires the lying spirit. He employs those who you know, stab you in the back and gossip about you and drag your name through the mud. He hires those spirits and people that are open to it, those spirits, they influence some people and they come and you're the target. And it's not because God's punishing us. It's not because God hates us. It's because I'm trying to get you somewhere to become somebody and you're not cooperating with me freely. So I have to hire outside help contractors from the powers of darkness to come against you to get your attention. No, God don't. Do, ah, go back and read your word. There's a verse in first Kings where it deals with these prophets. Um, this king asked, is there another prophet? And there was a prophet whose name started with the M. I can't never pronounce their names correctly, but they mentioned him and he said, no, I don't like him because he never tells me nothing good about me. So no, don't go get him, find me another one. So they found some that would tell him what he wanted to hear. How many times do we experience that? The prophets get in that pulpit with that microphone and they tell people what they want to hear. That's not what God wants for them because God knows exactly they ain't right. You need to repent. You need to turn. You need to cast those things down and wash your hands and walk away from these things. But that prophet or that prophetess is not on God's side. And they're telling the people what they, they're tickling their ears. And you can't cut against the word of God when you're speaking for God. So who are you speaking for? If you're not saying what thus saith the Lord, then you're not a true prophet at the time that you're speaking. And you need to repent. Because God don't need you. And I'm telling the truth, he don't need me. Because it says heaven alone makes and breaks the vessel for divine service. No man can enter a spiritual service without being called of God. So if God calls you, then you work for God. And you don't work for the preacher. You don't work for the teacher. You don't work for you. You work for God and God alone. God chooses the venues that he wants to use to train us. God chooses the ones he wants to oppose us. God chooses it because God knows what is going, what's going to come out of you. And that's what he wants. He wants it to come to the surface so he can be purged off. Now, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, 
to mortify the deeds of the flesh that are upon the earth. And it gets a whole list. I think it's nine things he lists. Uh, we're supposed to kill it. He's not going to kill it. We're supposed to kill it. He tells us to mortify it, which means kill. And then there's what God dealt with at Calvary. Calvary dealt with the sin nature. We couldn't do nothing to the sin nature. So Jesus had to die for our sins. And once the sin nature was dealt with, and we accepted Jesus as our personal savior, our Lord and our Christ, well, then that part was dealt with. So now it's, I do it because I want to, not because I can't help myself. Okay, once we deal with the Adamic nature that we were born with, excuse me. Okay, there are things now that we have knowledge of it, we're supposed to deal with. And you can't be a true prophet of God until these things are dealt with. Now, you can have prophetic ministry while you're training. You prophesy, you encourage, and you comfort the body of Christ. You bring edification to teaching. You still preach the gospel. But as far as the rebuking, giving instruction, and all of these things, that comes from when God places you in the office. Amen? Because each level of prophecy has a different level of authority. Everybody's authority is not the same. Now, as bad as we may desire to be a prophet of God, that is only a God decision. It's not prophet so-and-so's decision. I don't care how much it is. You over there in the striped blue shirt, you are a prophet. That's what he said. God confirms it when he says it. Amen. I'm not taking away from nobody because God may have showed it to the prophet or the prophet is that that's what you are. But God may not have said, call it out yet. God may want it to bring that information a different way. And then sometimes God does. God confirms it through others, through the body, through the church. But God tells you first, them saying it should not be the first time you heard it. Because a lot of times people say stuff to me and I'm going, I ain't hear God say that. So at that point, I go to God. I say, God, this is what so-and-so said. I say, God, is this true? Is this the door? And a lot of times God is talking to us and we don't hear it because we're caught up in our day-to-day -day life and activities and we kind of like drown God's voice out and we don't hear it. And so God has to use somebody else to get our attention. Now, when somebody you don't know is standing up across that pulpit in that microphone and calls you a prophet, it gets your attention. What, me? I don't want to do that. And then some of them do want to do that. So God is the only one that makes that decision. This is a God decision. Apostle Paul said to desire spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. Anyone who has the Holy Ghost, the spirit of prophecy comes with the Holy Ghost. And when the spirit of God is moving in the atmosphere, it stirs up the prophetic spirit because Revelations 19.10 said that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So when Jesus gets to moving, when the Holy Spirit gets to moving, it stirs up prophecy. And those who have the Holy Ghost begin to prophesy. Those who the external anointing has rested upon begin to prophesy. 
And again, this is the Holy Ghost at will. He uses whoever he wants to use at will. They just have to make themselves available for him to use them. Amen. There is more to being a prophet than prophesying. I've said this before. Each level that we go through is making that profit. We want to skip the rough parts and go straight to the let me see your glory part. God, I want to see your glory. At this point, we're not ready for the glory. Mm -mm. You're still wet behind the ears, as my mother used to say. It didn't make sense when she said it, but now that I'm a grown up and I've experienced some things, I understand exactly what she meant. It means you have no experience and you have to allow God to give you experience in this life. And then you testify of what you know. You testify of what you've heard, what you've seen, what you have experienced. If not selected by God first, then ordained by men, one is simply false. Now, I'm not calling you a false anything, but I'm telling you the truth. If you haven't went through the process, the order of God, well, then you made yourself, yourself made or man made. That's not acceptable to God. You're selected by God first. He calls, you answer. Then when the body recognizes it, Man ordains you. Until then, you're just walking around on your own accord, trying to be a wannabe. And I know that sounds harsh, but it's the truth. You have to go through God's process. You can be a man-made prophet, which is not a prophet at all. If you want to please God, if you want to be effective, well, then you have to do it God's way. I pray something that I've said in today's episode that will stir you up to labor before the Lord and stand in his counsel. Ask him. He'll answer you. We can't always depend on somebody else to give us an answer that God wants to give himself. God wants to talk to us himself. And we must let God talk. We must open our spiritual ears Surrender your hearing to God so that you can hear him. Even if you're laying on your bed, sleep at night, he will tell you. And then when you get up and you know you've had a dream and you feel like God was saying something, then you lay, you get in your prayer closet. You get by yourself with God and say, God, explain, interpret. What were you trying to say to me? I need to know. And God will send a man or a woman to explain exactly what he was saying to us. This is how we do it. We have to utterly depend on him because we know nothing. And you have to live like you know nothing. Even though you think you know something, you really don't know nothing. We have to allow God to establish his voice in our ear. Prophet of God, hear me. Prophetess of God, hear me. Sons of the prophets, hear me. Prophetic people, hear me. It's all about Jesus and him crucified. If we don't make it about him, Hallelujah. It's vain. It's empty. It means nothing. And guess what? It's going to fall to the ground as a dud. You want to be believed by the masses, then you have to sell out to Jesus Christ because you belong to him and you're to be his prophet, not your prophet. 
not the pastor's profit, not your friend's profit, but his profit. You belong to God. And so Jesus will be the one that decides how you get trained. Jesus will be the one to decide when and how you get released into that because you must be released into it because it man won't recognize you if you have not been called by God first and then ordained by man. In Keys, the ministry that I have, we have a prophetic gathering service the third Friday in November every year and we have since 2017. And if they are ready and God is ready to release them before man, before the body of Christ, uh, this past one in 2021, we had two that were released into the office of prophet and their pastors came and laid hands on them and released them before the body. And then we had others that got put into prophet and training. So they were recognized in the body as their prophets, but they're in training. Hallelujah. And then we had others, two others that we consecrated and uh, affirmed as prophetic intercessors. So everybody that was here present and that saw it online, they know for a fact that they are prophetic intercessors. So if they need somebody to go to God on a specific matter, and they want to hear from God. They know to go to those two prophetic intercessors. This is how God's order is. You don't just willy-nilly. You recognize this is what you are after you've accepted your call and just go start doing it. No, you have to be trained. God never sends no one out untrained. So I encourage you to get the training that you need so that God can affirm you and release you when he's ready. And I thank God for your support in this ministry and if this is blessing you share share the episode tell others to listen in because i will be um doing a new episode once a week i'm trying for mondays but sometimes monday don't work so that's why i'm doing it today on tuesday but god is good and god is great and greatly to be praised and we want to honor him in everything that we do and whatever God has called you to do uh, in the body, do it to the glory of God. Don't do it for attention. Don't do it for man. Do it to the glory of God because one day soon and very soon, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. And when we stand before the beam of throne, we have to give account for what is done in the earth, in these bodies. And you want it said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter ye into the joy of the Lord. This is what we aim to hear. And you can't do it if you're not doing it right. That's You're going to hear, I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. That's not what you want to hear. So whatever you're doing, whatever God has called you to do as part of the fivefold ascension gift or the ministry gifts, are the body gifts. God called you to do something. If nothing else, God has called you to be a child of God. And that's a very important position. So it is he that gave us the power to become the sons of God. Him. Everything we do, everything we represent is because of him. It has nothing to do with me and you. So I encourage you. Let the Lord lead you. 
um, I believe there's um, a button somewhere where you can send a message where you can send a message if there's something you want to say I just can't speak any other language so it would have to be in English but uh, I can respond back to you if you have a question or anything like that but I encourage you please share and if you feel led God has touched your heart to sow into this ministry. I encourage you to do so. God will bless you because we know money answers all things. Not that we worship money, not that money is Lord over us, but we need money to proceed forward in what we're doing. I would like God to blow this up. Hallelujah. I would like to have others in my ministry actually speak in some of these episodes to encourage us to go forward in God. So if you want to contact me, I believe my information is um, somewhere where you can get in touch with me. And I encourage you, maybe one day we'll get to meet and maybe we won't. But I encourage you to stay in God, stay planted in God and let God grow you. And I pray something I've said today blesses you. Know that I love you and that I'm praying for you and I need you just like you need me. And we will do this thing together. And I hope one day we'll meet each other in the air in Jesus name. Father God, in Jesus name, I ask you to bless every listener, oh God. I ask you to pour into them, oh God, and stretch them, God as you use them, God, as you set them up to be prosperous, oh God, because it is your will that they prosper and that their soul and their health prosperous, God. I ask you to open doors for them and show them those doors, God. Encourage their hearts, God. Bless their families, Lord God. Strengthen them in their walk in you, oh God. Give them a greater desire to please you and to know you, Lord God. And until we meet again, God, have your way in their lives, Lord God. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you.